Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Um, I've, I've kept you in on, the, on, on my story, uh, especially starting about a year ago. We, we launched off in September and bought a house that was 180 years old and uh, pursued this dream from the Lord. And uh, we're at times questioning whether it's a dream or a nightmare. And more have been a nightmare the last year than a dream. Uh, but we're, we're just, it was this journey that was hard for us. And it was, it was a year of hardship. And um, it was just this just weird thing. And I began to let a punch list and, and to-dos and, and jobs and fatigue and all that kind of take over my life. And those of you who know me, I'm a natural optimist. I'm a natural dreamer. I've always been a dreamer, always been a visionary, always been able to see the future, see what it looks like, see what's to come, get excited about that. When we first walked our property, I could see the girls' weddings there. No pressure, but if they decide to, I could see it. You know, I could see dream cars. I could see, you know, I can just picture myself driving a Porsche Boxster S. You know, I, I can see these things, right? So it doesn't mean it's practical yet. It just means I could see it. I'm a dreamer. Well, it's amazing that when you're not thriving and you're only surviving, the power that that has to take away dreams, to take away visions, to take away optimism or hope, or even sometimes faith. You know, faith is a substance of things hoped for, not seen. And when your hope diminishes, you know, it creates this thing to where I had lost my dreaming last year. And I, you know, even like the financial part of things costing more than we thought, this project, and it just became overwhelming. And I no longer dreamed of a car. I no longer dreamed of, of doing this on our property or doing that or, or taking this trip. And, and I'll be honest with you, so I lost that. And over the, just before summer, I got into kind of a dark place and, and, and some depression and, and then uh, got into some isolation and just beginning to uh, exclude myself and just kind of be me. And it's just interesting thing. So I'm like, so first off, I allowed Jesus finally into my mess. How many, how many like agree that Jesus is pretty good with our mess if we allow him in? He's probably the best mess picker upper dealer over with. He's good. And, and then I allowed some people into my mess and into my dysfunction and into my chaos and darkness and just what had been created. And then I went to get some ministry and I'm like, I need help. Nicole, actually, let me rephrase that. Nicole says, you need help. <laughs> she's like, you're kind of being a butthole. So I said that in church, sorry. So she's like, you're being a jerk. You, you need, this isn't who you are. So she called out the things that were in me that weren't supposed to be and called the things that weren't that were to be. And she's like, you need, so I went down to Florida, had this amazing couple love on me, lead me back to the truth of what the father says and cancel out lies and curses and all these things. But then I, I said, I have to do a change now. I have to do something different. And it, it started, there was a seed planted a couple years ago. Um, Bruce and Catherine, amazing friends, good people, love them. Their son, BJ, had passed away in the spring. The, the January after that, we went to their house and we had lunch, brunch. And we're sitting there, we're like, what are you leaning into? What do you want for, for this year? What, what would be your dream for this year? And I'll never, ever forget this conversation for the rest of my life. They had just lost their second child months prior, and they said, we have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to be thankful for. We want a year of thankfulness. 
I'll never forget that, thinking, you know, sometimes I whine and cry and complain. Anybody else do that? And then, like, truth smacks you in the face. Like, wow, I actually don't have it so bad. And things get shifted into perspective. And, and I just never forget that. So that seed was there. So then I get into my mess. And then I'm like, I have to do something different. I've lost my dreaming. I've lost my positivity. I've just, I've kind of lost that. So I decided to go on a journey of thankfulness. And every day I would be intentional about thanking God in the small things, looking, looking through the mess, looking through the dirt to find the gold. Do you know they dig through tons and tons and tons of dirt to get one ounce of gold and it is all worth it? Sometimes in our mess, it's, it's a good dividend, it's a good reward, it's a good investment just to find that gold and focus on the gold and not the dirt we had to dig in to get there. Think about the Lord, how much dirt he has to dig through in our mess just to get to the gold and let us see that and polish that and refine that. So in this journey, I realized the impact of thankfulness. So every day, I would listen to the first song they sang here, and every morning, listen to that on my way to work. Every morning, just choose thankfulness in all things. Powerful. It, so in this journey, I began to search out and study and lean into thankfulness and the key of thankfulness and the fruit of thankfulness and, and the hardship of thankfulness. You know, James 1, 2 kind of says it like this. He says, he says, count all joy the trials or the circumstances you go through. It's like, whoa, all, all circumstances? Some are terrible. And, and, and we'll get into some verses today, I promise. We'll make it a legit church service. We'll get into some scripture today. But anyway, I began to do this, and then I began to see the fruit. I began to see, even though the finances weren't changing, even though the punch list wasn't diminishing, my dreaming was coming back. My positivity was coming back. My optimism, my hope level was increasing because I was thanking God through hardship. I was thanking God through, through trials. I was thanking God in the small things. I was thanking God in the big things. So no longer was I focusing on what hasn't been done. I was focusing on what is done. You know, we, we, get, we will stumble if we focus on what God's not doing or what the enemy might be doing more than if we focus on what God is doing. Amen. It's like in our prayers. Yeah, some might be unanswered, but God is doing something. So if we begin to focus on those and thank God for what he's done or is doing, then in the mess or in the trial or in the process of testimony, all of a sudden we focus more on that. So it's led me to this week, and I've been looking forward to this since June, of launching a thankful campaign and, and the power, and I'm going to just show you what I've learned in, in a tangible discovery, a real-life experience, how thankfulness has unlocked the gates of heaven and made me content again. It's, it's amazing how close contentment and thankfulness are connected. It's almost as if they're one. If we have a thankful heart, then we're going to be content. And if we're content in all things, then we typically have a thankful heart. And it's again, it's that, it's that the 12 spies went to look at the promised land. But only two came back and saw a report that says, yep, we, we can do this. You know, the other one's like, the army's so big. There's so much that we're outnumbered. They're bigger than us, you know. But Joshua, like, like the two, they came back and they're like, but we can do this. This is a land that, fit, that flows with milk and honey. They're carrying grapes on their shoulders. But we got this because the Lord is on our side. Only two had a positive report, but the other ten didn't. What's God do with a positive report? He turns it into a testimony and glory and praise. So let me, let me just go into this. So 21 days of thankfulness. It's going to be amazing. Are you ready? All right. How, do we, how are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. 
So oftentimes they say it takes 21 days to break a habit or make a habit. So 21 days of being intentional. We go through, in the church and ministry and life, we go through so many programs. We go through Financial Peace University. We go through Dynamic Marriage. We go through all these stuff, right? All these things. And then all of a sudden, time distances us from the intentionality of when we were in it. And now suddenly we're not doing a budget anymore. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, blah. Something about being intentional for 21 days will create a mindset of a habit and make thankfulness habitual. So we're going to do 21 days. So how many didn't get a card? We, we pass out cards for everybody, not just adults. Or If you didn't get a card, raise your hand. Nicole's going to pass you out a card. Keep your hand up till you get the card. On the back of it are 21 blanks. And it's for each day. Find something simple. Find something unique. Find something. Here's a, here's a fun story. I, we, we decided to test this out a little bit around the dinner table this week. And the kids, uh, they, they began, we said, okay, we'll go three rounds. And we went three rounds. And Nicole was saying things like beach and chocolate and the things that she loves a lot. And we're each saying something. We're like, fresh water, you know. We're like, because I said, it can't be God. It can't be family. You know, those are like the simple first. I was like, let's get past that. That's obvious. We all love Jesus. We all love family. So all of a sudden, they're like, can we go more? Can we keep going? And it turned into like 15 to 20 minutes of us eating dinner, just thanking God and just saying what we're thankful for. It was contagious. It was exhilarating. It was exciting. So we're going to give you the same opportunity. So for 21 days, pick something unique. Pick something special. Also, Nicole mentioned it, but we have the, the thankful wall out there. As you leave or come in each week, put a little post-it note, stick it on there, and then we'll take a picture at the end. This is something about being intentional and creating a habit of thankfulness. Now, I really want to get into the word, and it's not just a good thing. Positivity, thankfulness, gratitude, it's not just a good thing. It's actually a directive of the word. It's a directive from God, and it's something that will unlock heaven, and it will unlock presence, and it will unlock a heaven realm in us all. Now listen, I believe this. I believe thankfulness is a seed. Being thankful is a seed that reaps a harvest of true heaven, joy, and happiness. And I believe that's why we celebrate Thanksgiving at the time of harvest. I believe that there's something about being thankful that it is a seed that unlocks and it reaps this harvest of the fullness of Christ, the fullness of his presence, the fullness of heaven. So let's go to the word. Let's go to Psalms 104. Psalms 104 tells us to do this. We've been, we've been talking with Pastor Adam and, and talking to the praise and worship leaders. I put something out on Facebook this week about what does it look like as you enter in here, and they tried it out today, just thankfulness. We start with thankfulness. We start with praise, and we plant Jesus in the center, or we make our first ministry to Jesus. So, so here, here's what it says. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, give thanks to him, bless his name. It is actually, we're being told to enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, give thanks, bless his name. What does that look like? It, 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 it opens up this realm so let me just tell you this. What do we have to give to Jesus? What do we have to give as an offering? What does this look like? What does it look like? You hear people say, well, give an offering unto the Lord. Like offering is more than time, talent, and treasure. An offering is a giving of ourself to him. The Bible says, present yourselves a living sacrifice. So what does a sacrifice of life look like to Jesus? It doesn't say give yourself a dead sacrifice. 
Life is something that produces fruit. Again, thankfulness being the seed that is something that we can actually tangibly give to Jesus, making Jesus our first ministry. Our worship should be something that looks like ministry to Jesus. We are offering ourselves. We're offering our heart. We're offering our adoration, our attention, our affection to Jesus. We don't just sing about him. We get to sing to him. We don't, we don't just tell others about him. We get to actually commune and worship and talk to him and with him and abide. It's this beautiful thing. Jesus, he's, he's always been a giver. See, so even if we go back and we, we look at John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, finish it, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. He's always given things. If we go to Matthew 7, 11, it says this, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Another, another verse, he withholds nothing for those who seek him. We move to Psalm 84, 11, and it says this, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who uprightly seek him. I'm sorry, Matthew 7, 11. I read the wrong one. Let me go to Matthew 7, 11. It says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Those two things, like like God is a giver. He's a giver of good things. He's a giver of life. Well, we're created in his image. We're to be like him. And as we mature in Christ, we become in his likeness. So we too get to give things. So what is it that we can give? I want to give my first offering. I want to give my first fruits to Jesus. And one of those is giving him an offering of thankfulness. So what can we give? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this. In everything. Everybody say everything. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Who's it for? You. Well, here's a funny thing. It's saying it's for us. But how many know that when you give an offering, it's not for you? When you... <laughs> I, I'm blown away and touched. 9 a.m. was the same. When we ask people who are 38 and under, that's millennials and under to raise their hands. And we're part of a church that 80 plus percent, it looked like in here, are less than that age. That is a blessing. All right? And we, and then the ones who are older than that, I'm one year older than that, just for the record, but we get to then be a part of raising up another generation and pouring everything we have out so the next generation can succeed. I'm going to get into David's life here, David's life of worship and thanksgiving. And one cool thing that David did was when he was told he wasn't going to build the tabernacle, his son Solomon was going to do it. He worked the rest of the days of his life to set Solomon up for success. Are we willing to pour into a generation of something we're not even going to see? Solomon was going to be the one that built the tabernacle. And David lined up the finances, the resources, the craftsmen, the goldsmiths, the woodworkers, the architects, the engineers. He's lining all this up and he hands it all to David. Because the difference between a father and a son is a father gives it all away. We need both and all generations present in a body to be healthy because we need the fathers and the mothers to be giving it all away to the sons and the daughters to take it and run with it. It blesses me to see this. I was just talking to a friend this week. Part of a church of 70 people and there's not one person under 60 years age there. Not one. And they've had one visitor in five years. In the next 10 to 20 years, if there's not a change in that church, it's literally going to die. 
Listen, we get to be a part of a life that we get to give ourselves a living sacrifice and pour out and be a part of a generational movement. And I believe this. It's really simple what 2020 vision is here. Jesus. That's really simple. It's Jesus right in the middle of everything. So what does it look like to give an offering? It looks like Jesus shows up because if he's not showing up, there's not a point. Let me just be really real with you. If we come in here every week or if we're in a house church or one of our home groups or something like that or our young adult gathering, if Jesus isn't showing up, what's the point? I can go to Cracker Barrel and they even have a really amazing store at the front end. I can get things. I can have door greeters places. I can have good customer service places. But what makes church different is, first off, Jesus has to show up. He has to be ministered to. He has to be number one. And the next thing is it is not a business, an organization. It is the family called the functioning unit of love. That's the cool thing about generations is, is I know that there's, there's people in here that are ready to hand that torch, hand that ministry, hand that anointing, hand that double portion over to the next generation. And part of that is teaching young people how to pray, teaching young people how to get in the word, teaching young people how to worship, teaching young people how to have a heart of thankfulness in this fast-paced world. Let, let, me, let me move on here. The offering is not about us. Nicole, she's, she's amazing, and she loves clothing. <laughs> I came out of bed today, and she was in the bathroom already dressed. I was like, and I had my outfit picked out. I was like, we're going to be banging today. Look at this. Anyway, she loves clothes. She spent, we get $50 each month for blow money, each of us. We use it whatever we want. And she spent October's blow money in September. She spent November's blow money in October. And she is already on trajectory. She asked me last night, can I use December's blow money early? <laughs> like, there's this boutique called Ruli that's online that she's obsessed with. And I'm like, whatever. So anyway, she sends me a snapshot uh, this, this week of these boots. She's like, uh, can I buy these for myself from you for Christmas this year? <laughs> I'm like, really? No fun in that. So, so anyway, it's this thing. Now, it's, it, gifts are her, her love language, all right? It's part of her love language. I don't, I don't buy ruly things because I like them. I buy ruly things because she likes them. Listen, I don't give thanks to Jesus because necessarily I like it. I give God his offering because that's what he likes. Part of Gary Chapman's love languages is meeting the needs of the people around you in relationship. I get to make Jesus my top ministry. And then I get to make my family my second one, and everything else flows out of that. Just so you know, you're not top priority for me. I love you, but Jesus is. I get to have this heart to minister to Jesus. I get to have this worship. I get to have this intimacy with him, and I get to give to him me. He created me for such a time as this. He created me to glorify him, to lift him on high, to be creative, to bless him, to worship him, to be in awe of him. And I get to give him thanksgiving. Let's, let's move on. So every time I enter in his presence, I should be entering with thankfulness and praise. So what do the gates represent? Anytime I go in a door, you know, typically the door's locked and I have to go in. Unless, like, I love Detroit Fire Department because our key is... Six months on the job, we had this burning fire once, and it was crazy flames coming out, and, uh, and my partner and I, he was a, he's a rookie, I'm a rookie, and he's like kicking the door, kicking it. I was like, 
awesome first try too. Like I, I was just, he probably loosened the jam a little bit. I was like, boom. So anyway, and then we'd go busting in there and fight fire. So, but typically what unlocks a door is a key. There's a key. There's something that's, that's unlocking. Now here's the cool thing. There's two different things. There's multiples, but two of the instances that talk about doors or gates or, or this realm of, of entering in is once, one is the tabernacle or even at time, the short time, the tent that David created for the Ark of the Covenant. The other one is the throne room of God. It's heaven. It's the gate of heaven. It's, it's the floodgates. Now, here's the thing. So when we enter, he's telling us to enter his gates with thanksgiving. I believe he's literally telling us the key that unlocks heaven. It unlocks presence. It's moving from, from the outside to the outer courts into the inner courts. Now, here's the thing. Now, with thanksgiving, I get to come in. I get to walk right in. It's unlocking something. And now, with praise, I get to go into the inner court. <laughs> If we go to the days of the tabernacle, only the high priest could go to the Holy of Holies one day a year on our atonement. Like it was this thing that he went on our behalf. Well, now Jesus is saying, God's saying, now here's the key. It's yours. It's worship. It's thanksgiving. It's giving yourself to me. You unlock it. You get to come in freely. Why? Because when Jesus was on the cross, like Steve was talking about, the heavens shook, the earth shook, the veil was torn from heaven to earth which meant there was no longer any separation. And now I get all access to all of what the Father has, all of who Jesus is, all of what heaven has to offer. It's this beautiful thing, but I believe there's a key. There's something about the thankfulness. There's something about thanksgiving and entering into those gates. Let's, let's move on here. David, let's go to David. First Chronicles 16. It's funny when you're like a heart preacher like, I only have notes for structure in case, like, something bombs and I forget everything. I'm like, okay. So then I bounce back and forth, and I'm like, what what'd I forget? So David, First Chronicles 16, 1 through 7, it says this. It says, they brought the ark of God. Now, now, we're coming into this story after a man already dies for not honoring and being reverent enough for the presence of God. That's symbolized by the ark of the covenant, a box. So this is representative of the presence of God, his very nature, who Jesus really is, who the Father really is. It's amazing. So then if we recall the story, they had to house the Ark of the Covenant in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. And it says, after those three months, he hosted the Ark of the Covenant, a.k.a. hosted the presence for three months. His whole house was blessed. If we just host his presence for three months, not only our house, but the next generation gets blessed of how we honor and, and, and host his presence. Amen. So then we come to this part of the story. Okay, they brought the ark of God and placed it inside the special tent David had prepared for. And they presented burnt offerings and peace offerings to God. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Now, here, here's what we get to. So now the Ark of the Covenant is in the tent of David. They've moved it in there. They have a place. They are honoring the Ark of the Covenant. They are honoring God's presence. What do they do next? I think this is a shift. If we can get this, there's this 18-inch journey between our mind and our heart. Even with the word, sometimes our mind grabs it, but our heart doesn't. And sometimes with spirit realm, like our heart will grab it, but our mind isn't. Thankfulness and worship and these glory realms are unlocked, and this 18-inch journey is bridged to be one, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Now, here's what happens. The very first thing, now that the Ark of the Covenant is there, here's what they do. It says, 
Then he gave to every man and woman in all Israel a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. First thing they do, they break bread, they eat, they celebrate, and they do life and community together. It's amazing. In Acts 2, they did the same thing. Jesus, as he's, as he's describing what's about to happen to him and he's leaving, they break bread and they have communion. There's something powerful. How many know that in our culture, food is a powerful thing? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. There's something, though, that's tangibly and spiritual when you put food out. You gather. Where do you end up most when you're at a party at a house? In the kitchen. It's around the table. It's in a kitchen. It's, it's gathering around the food. Why? Because Jesus blesses it, and he's like, break bread, build community, build relationship, join hearts. And it's the strongest bond when your heart's connected through him. Now, now then, then here's what happens. So the first one is gathering together, breaking bread. Then it says, David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord. The next thing they did was worship. And then they received blessings, they gave thanks, and they praised the Lord. Those things. So think about that. They worshiped, and they gave thanks, and they praised the Lord. They worshiped, they gave thanks, and they, they, they praised the Lord. This is the keys that unlock the heaven realm. This is the keys that unlock glory. These are the keys that unlock contentment and true joy in our lives. It's worship, praise, and thanksgiving. It's worship and praise and thanksgiving. If we want to host his presence, just begin to thank him. If we come to him with sincere hearts, then he blesses us with sincere effects and blessings. If we just get real with him, like, Lord, you're good. Let me move on here. So then what happens is next is they begin to worship, praise, and give thanks. David writes a song of thankfulness. The very next set of scriptures, for the sake of time, I can't get there. But he writes a song of thankfulness, and then we get to 1 Chronicles 16, 34. And it says this, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures when? Forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he's good. I, I, I love the, the saying, like, like, his goodness doesn't depend whether he's answering a prayer or doing this or healing this or bad things not happening. Like, he's just good because he's good, and he's always good. He's always been good, and he always will be good. So he is honor of worship and thanksgiving. So then we get to Paul. Romans 121 says this. Let me make a connection there, though. David, I, I value at least two things. David is one of my favorite people in the Bible. And one is the honor, the lifestyle of honor in which he lived and the heart of worship that he lived in. So, so he was a man after God's heart. God says this. God calls him. He is called a man after God's heart. I think it's because he grasped these few simple things of worship, honor, and thanksgiving. So Romans 121, Paul says it like this, 121. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship now, let me, let me just give you the Greek translation of what worship means in this context. Adore, glorify, and literally make famous. It says that they wouldn't worship, they wouldn't glorify, adore, or make famous him as God, or even, what? Give thanks. They wouldn't even give thanks. So then it says this, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became, what? Dark and confused. Let me just tell you this. 
and my busyness and my punch list and my to-do list at our house and my sleepless nights and long work days and all these things, I lost the heart of worship and thankfulness, so I went to a dark and confused place. Let me just tell you what happens at the end of this chapter is these people, as they lost their worship and thanks, they moved into all this sin and sexual immorality and all these things. So you see the effect of what happens when we begin to lose our thankfulness, our worship, and our heart to make Jesus famous. Sin came in, and sin took over, and immorality took over, and all these things. Now, now listen, I'm not here to say that, not, that anything will ever separate you from his love. Nothing will. That's word. That's Bible. It's truth. Nothing, no principality, no depth, no height, nothing will separate you from the love of God. But in relationship, when I begin to lose intimacy, connection, communion, relationship with God, I lose connection, intimacy, and relationship with God. I'm not saying, I'm not getting into this debate whether or not you can lose salvation or no. Like, I'm telling you that I lost closeness with the Lord by distancing myself and isolating myself, and I moved into a dark and confusing place. Suddenly, I began to thank the Lord in all things, in small things, in big things. I began to just thank the Lord. I began to dream again and get close to the Lord again. I'm just telling you my journey. And it was something that unlocked, and I believe going into this next year, I'm just announcing 2020 vision right now. It's a ministry to Jesus first. It's worship and thankfulness. It's hosting his presence. It's putting Jesus number one. We're not concerned about, listen, We're not concerned about programs. We're really not concerned about people. I gave this thing to God a long time ago. Like, Lord, if you want upper room to exist, then just make it happen. I'm just going to be me. Let me just tell you, God's grace is so good. I pretty much failed this year as a leader. I had hardly any meetings. I did very little. But in the grace of God and the people that love him and me around me, upper room grew in number and financially because God's just that good. I'm not saying that's the plan for next year. However, like even in my mess, even in my failure, even in my darkness, God was still really, really good, better than I deserve, better than any of us deserve. But that's grace. That's mercy. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, and mercy is getting what you do deserve. Whatever. (laughs) Nicole says it way better. You know what I meant. (laughs) Getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you do deserve. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to Revelation 4 and 5, and the band can come. Man, if I didn't have, like, a really nasty white T-shirt on today, I would, like, shed this sweater so fast right now. I am burning up on fire. (laughs) Revelations 4 and 5. And I promise I'm closing. I know we're a little later than usual, but I'm kicking off, and Nicole's a short preacher, and she's preaching next week, so you'll get your money's worth next week. She was trying to refuse. I was like, no, I'll do week one and three. You're doing week two, baby. (laughs) Revelation 4 and 5, really affectionately known as the eternal worship sanctuary. (laughs) This is the throne room of God. Now, let me just reset some minds in here about what Revelation really is. Revelation was never meant to be used as a dogmatic approach, a fear-driven thing to scare the hell out of people. (laughs) It was actually a love book inviting us into the Father's love And it was this beautiful thing to where John the Beloved was with the bosom. He was leaning into the chest of Jesus. Peter's asking the questions. Others are asking the questions. But the Beloved John is the one leaning in for the answers and the intimacy with Jesus. So now Jesus, God gives 
John this open vision of what the throne room, what heaven, what the eternal is going to look like. It was a gift. It was never meant to be fear and condemnation and to scare people into the kingdom. That isn't what the heart of it behind it was. It was literally a love book. So here's what happens is Revelations 4 and 5, we see the picture, and we're just going to come into this in verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 5 through 11. This is, as you know, one of my favorite texts in the Word. I don't sing all that well. I, I don't really have any much musicianship, except for years ago I could play the drums a bit. Um, but I love worship. And I don't have to bring him a pretty song. I just have to bring him a song. I, I, don't, I don't have to know harmony. It's just a heart of worship. And as I read this, I can't help but to fall in love with the God of the universe that I get to worship for eternity. I can never read this without crying. So verse 5 says this, From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, there was it as were a sea of glass like crystal. Oh, man, that's beautiful. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures. God's boring. This does not sound boring to me. People are boring. God's not boring. There were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion, the next like an ox, the next was the face of a man, and the fourth was an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, and night and day, they never cease to say or sing this. Now, these are the four living creatures. We have the 24 elders. We have the thrones. We have this beautiful thing happening. And, and the four living creatures have eyeballs all around them, front, back, top, bottom, because they never want to take their eyes off Jesus because he's that good. <laughs> and they never stop singing the next verse. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It never gets old. How long do they sing it? For eternity. Do they ever stop singing? No. Why? Because it's always just as captivating and fascinating to them. Because every holy is this new approach who God is. Every holy is this new depth of intimacy with Him. Every holy is this new level of thankfulness of His majesty, of their all of who He is. And it never gets old. It never gets boring. And it never stops. Then we move on and it says this, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks. Everybody say glory, glory. Honor, honor, and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him. I used to think people like falling out and that stuff was super weird. I actually still do a little bit. Then I read my word and I'm like, and I've, I've, I've had so much of God's presence, I couldn't stand and I'll fall to my knees or I'll fall on my face or I'll sit in my chair and just soak in his goodness. And here we have these 24 elders. It says, fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory 
honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Now listen, there's this beautiful moment in heaven. There's this beautiful eternity. Their moment in heaven is eternity in heaven where they never get sick of giving him honor, glory, and praise. They never get sick of making him famous for worshiping him and giving him thanks. It's not dependent on a circumstance. It's not dependent on what's going on. You know, one of the gifts that we get on earth is to worship him and give thanksgiving, even in a trial or a bad thing or a situation. We don't get to do that in heaven because there's no death. There's no sorrow. There's no depression. There's no issues in heaven. So we here on earth actually get to give him thanks in all things. We don't get the opportunity to do that in heaven. Thank God. That's one gift we get here on earth. Won't you stand with me?
place to say, man, I'm sorry for how I've made it, but I'm getting back to the heart of worship, and I will bring you more than the song. So what's more than the song? As I dove back into the song, what's more than a song? It's thankfulness. It's me. It's this living sacrifice. So we're just going to close this way, and let's, let's just give him thankfulness. Let's just give him of ourselves. So just put your hand on your heart and your mind right now, and we're just going to enter into this time of thanksgiving. God, we thank you for this journey. We thank you for, for this transformation by renewed minds and renewed hearts. Take us back to the beginning. Take us back to do our first works over. Take us back to our first love, Jesus. And we give you more than a song. We give you our hearts. We give you ourselves as living sacrifices. And we worship you. We glorify you. We bless you, Jesus. We adore you. We make you famous. And we give you thanksgiving right now. Bless you, Jesus.
typically take for granted. And Lord, rewire us to be grateful, to have attitudes of gratitude, to not just survive, but really thrive, Jesus, to just be just, just captivated by you and your presence, Jesus. We thank you, Lord.